1: Coffee and Cream with Rodgers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio.
2: Back with you on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency. It's coffee and cream in the morning, and we appreciate you joining us. On the phone coming, Dan Wolken, national columnist for USA Today Sports. He's our next guest. He focuses primarily on College football and college basketball, Dan. We appreciate your time this morning. Thank you for hopping on the show, Dan. Good to talk to you again, buddy. Hey. Good
1: morning, guys. How
2: are you? Good, good, good. Hey, Dan. You know, I was looking at your Twitter, and you were kind of gone from December 11th up until yesterday, and uh, I'm not going to ask you the reason for it, but uh, were you still paying attention to all of the, the sporting games and different news and information popping out during that time?
0: Yeah, I mean, as much as I would have liked to have getting, gotten away from everything and gotten off the social media and whatever else, it was definitely a situation where I was, uh, I was looking at everything and taking it all in and uh, looking forward to getting back on it today.
1: Dan, I, you always have such like uh, kind of big-picture ideas, which is why I always like following you. But uh, let me ask you about the transfer portal because it seems to to work differently for college basketball and college football, and I get it. It's a lot easier to turn things around in basketball with fewer numbers, but it should also be a little bit easier to be more disruptive with smaller numbers as well. Why? Why do you think there's kind of the disparity in its level of effectiveness across the sports, or do you think it's about the same in that regard?
0: Well, I think if you take a step back and look at the whole picture, it it is similar in that now I think both football and basketball, you don't have a lot of excuses in terms of new coaches coming in and saying I need five years to rebuild a program. That doesn't happen anymore, and it doesn't need to happen anymore because – you can look at your roster and you can go in and say, all right, I'm going to plug here and here and here and here. And obviously in basketball, the numbers are different. And, uh, you know, I think also in college basketball, you have a situation where uh, older guys, you know, juniors, seniors, people who've been in college four or five years, even if they're not the most talented players, they can come in and and make an impact. You can build kind of an older team and uh, be pretty good. I mean, you may not have a final four ceiling or anything like that, but you can, you can go win some games and, and challenge for a tournament bid. So I think, you know, every coach has to look at the transfer portal and use it to the ability that uh, they feel like their program needs to kind of get jump-started. But uh, I think in both cases, it's kind of even things out a little bit. Um, you know, I think it's had an effect to some degree on the level of parity and competitiveness in college football. And I think, I think you saw kind of a foreshadowing of that in college basketball where – you know, even before the the, the transfer rules were, were liberalized, you had more and more basketball players transferring, and you would have coaches like you know Fred Hoiberg, for instance, at Iowa State, built a whole program on transfers, mm. and people saw how effective that that could be. So I, I think, yeah, you can look and see differences between the sports, but I think overall, you know, people are kind of using it to similar effect.
1: If you're the czar, would you would you tweak? the amount of times it's open and closed or kind of shrink the uh, the opportunities? Or do you kind of like the pre-post-spring thing that we're working with now?
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I think you have to be very careful about limiting when players can, can move because you're not limiting when coaches can move. And I think mm. that's sort of been one of the guiding principles in a lot of these changes. And, and anytime you do something that is hypocritical in that way, then there's going to be blowback and there's probably going to be some some potential legal consequences uh, as well so I know the NCAA is very very sensitive to that but I do think it's fair to look at how the college football calendar is working right now and you know you've got basically the coaching carousel transfer portal and recruiting and bowl games all happening at the same time and you know it's really Difficult, I think, for anybody to manage that. I mean, basically, it would be like the NBA or the NFL having, you know, their playoffs and their free agency and their draft all at the same time. And it just doesn't work very well. So I do think the NCAA can look at maybe ways to move things around a little bit to just make it a little bit more orderly because, yeah, you get into this time of year, and I think a lot of these, these, programs, it just feels very, very helter-skelter, and it, it just frankly doesn't, um, I don't think it serves anybody when all that is going on at the same time.
2: Dan, aside from college football, college basketball is so early on in the year, but I want to gauge your level of surprise when it comes to the way Creighton is playing basketball right now after being pre-ranked top 10 to start the year.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I think in college basketball these days, you have to be, um understanding of what we don't know you know going into a season and I look there's all kinds of reasons why um, you know teams are, are maybe going to be you know a little bit disappointing or, or a little bit um, surprising uh, I think you know Creighton's lost some some close games um, you know they, they had a you know I know they had a real close one at Texas and um, you know you lose by a couple against Arizona State I mean it's 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 a razor's edge, but having said that, you, you've you got to win those games, you know, and, um, you know, I thought when they were in Maui, I watched them against, um, you know, against uh, against Arkansas, which I thought was just a really, really good game, and then against Arizona in the final, which was just another awesome game. Um, you know, you, you come out of Maui thinking they're going to be a really big-time contender for the Big East title and, you know, go deep in the tournament, and now they just seem to be in this muck where they can't uh, – they haven't recovered from it and they keep losing close games. So I don't know exactly what's going on inside their program. I don't have a lot of insight into it. But I'm sure it's very disappointing to everybody that they're sitting here six and six.
1: When you're talking about the balance in college basketball and the way the portal's shaking up, it listen, I'm looking at I'm a Carolina guy and and, and mm-hmm. they're on the struggle buses, but I do believe they also kinda caught lightning in a bottle last year. But having said yeah. that, let me just go to like just this weekend for instance, with Bama and Gonzaga, Gonzaga's played the brutal schedule You look and they've got three losses already. I mean, Brandon Miller's just going bananas for Bama, yet Gonzaga was in control of that game late. When you look at the direction in terms of where you think Hoops is headed this year, how are you building your team if you want to have some success? Because I'm not so sure the three-point line is the answer right now. When I look at Purdue or Bama or Gonzaga, uh, it seems different this year.
0: You know, I haven't really thought about it that deeply in terms of, you know, style of play and what kind of teams are doing well. Look, I think ultimately we all know that when you get to March, you get to the NCAA tournament, um, you know, you have to be a really good defensive team for sure, and that matters. But you do have to make shots, you know, and you're not going to advance six times or seven times in a tournament without shooting the ball pretty well. You know, you may be able to survive one bad you know, a three-point shooting game or something like that. But you're not going to win a title if you can't shoot the ball. So, um, I don't know. You know, I do think that there is maybe a little bit of a renaissance of, of big guys. Uh, obviously, you mentioned Purdue, and they've got one of the best in the country. You know, you look at a team like Arizona that kind of plays two two traditional bigs. Yeah, in four sense. or five. Yeah, um, with Balo and – You know, yeah. and – yeah. And, and you don't really see that a lot anymore. Uh, so, you know, maybe that is kind of just – the the pendulum swinging back a little bit toward you know those types of teams but uh yeah it's really interesting I mean I think the season's been fun to watch so far and you know but now you get into conference play and I do think it changes you know, mm. I do think that um you know the non-conference season in college basketball is, is interesting you get a sense of where you are but it's really you know January February when I think these
2: teams start to develop Dan, you talk about playing for March. At what point in the year do you have to find that next gear? If you're either a college basketball team that's struggling or even a college basketball team that's thriving, um, at what point do you see, or at least historically, does a team have to start finding that next gear?
0: Well, look, I think, first of all, every coach is worried about making the tournament. You know, and you have to do enough to make the tournament. Uh, And I think that's super important um, that in this point in the year that you've got at least something on your resume that at the end of the year, if you do hit a bad patch in conference play, that you can lean on and the committee will will give you some leeway for. Uh, And teams that don't have, you know, one or two decent non-conference wins at this point, their margin for error is is very, very small. So I think that's got to be the first and foremost thing. But um, it can vary. You know, I think there's teams – very few teams are great all 30-something games throughout the, the season without a dip. Uh, there's going to be a dip, you know, and whether it's injuries or whether it's just, uh, you know, shooting luck or whatever it is, um, nobody's going to sustain uh, an amazing level the whole season. So I think you should have to hope that your bad patch comes in, you know, late January, early February, and then you can start building back up and playing your best basketball as you get into the conference tournament and the NCAA tournament. Uh, but you know we've also seen teams that that don't, you know, they kind of muddle along throughout the year, and then they just find it late. Uh, you see teams like that all the time. So I, I don't know that there's necessarily one way to to build a um, a team that is going to catch fire in March. Um, that's what makes the tournament so unpredictable because uh, a lot of times we just don't see it coming.
1: Dan, we're up against it real quick. When you look at Deion Sanders early on at Colorado, are you intrigued or is it inevitable? crash and burn
0: oh no, no no it's going to be interesting because he's going to get good players you know we know that so it's already started and then we'll just have to kind of see what he's able to do it's it's not going to be as easy for him as it was at jackson state but uh i don't think it's going to be crash and burn mm,
2: good stuff dan man. we appreciate your time this morning thanks so much enjoy the day
0: all right thanks guys
2: thanks d we'll talk more creighton basketball next